Another big thank you to Rachel C. for joining us this week. We hope all of you out there are staying this safe, is Amanda. staying and strong, this is and staying and healthy, this and we hope to be back with you in person Welcome very soon. Welcome to this week's Vocal Next week we'll be back Hi, I'm with Brian Woodrow for episode Amanda, 45, and, we are so and we'll close out this episode with one of the original the songs that Rachel she sang with the executive board. And we'll you'll see you next Tuesday. Everywhere, every festival, various camps and things of that nature, and always with a camera in hand, since she is sort of digital archivist um, in ways. So uh, welcome, Rachel. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. This is my my first podcast. (laughs) And I'm just realizing we have a Rachel this time because I was going through, you know, people that we've had in the past and we've had three Amandas as guests (laughs) on this show. So now it's nice that we have a Rachel guest. Always a fan of more Rachels. We actually talk about that at work sometimes at my job. We have, I'm editing all of the things for so many projects since we've been in quarantine. So like if we could only have more Rachels, I was like, yes, there need to be more Rachel's in the world. Agreed. (laughs) Says the Rachel. (laughs) So I would love to start off hearing a little bit about how you got involved in the acapella scene and how this came to be where you're at now. Oh, goodness. So I was probably a senior in high school when a cousin of mine gave me a acapella CD from another cousin of mine. I'm from a Lebanese family. So there's just cousins upon cousins. And so I got past a CD of the JMU Blues Tones, James Madison University Blues Tones. It was probably like mm, 2001. I don't it probably had been like a 99 kind of album. I don't even know. But I was obsessed. I was absolutely obsessed. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't a choir kid growing up. I was just like, this is insane. I've never heard music done without instruments. Like I was in marching band. I was an orchestra. I didn't I didn't explore that part of art before. So it was really exciting. And then I accidentally walked into an acapella audition my freshman year in college, not knowing what I was auditioning for. And then I guess I just never left. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and what group was that? It was the Florida State University uh, Acapels. So that was my first group. All right. I was oh, in acapella for about a year and a half. And then I, I helped support the rivalry of All Night Yahtzee versus Acapels at the time because, you know, college drama is college drama. And uh, then I switched to All Night Yahtzee. Ooh. And there my heart lies at Florida State. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like you uh, <laughs> you picked like you picked some pretty like impressive groups to have a rivalry between. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's been really fun to watch. Watch their evolution as a as a university and acapella scene. I mean, they've just grown exponentially over the years. The sound has changed, the group has changed, the number of groups have changed. It's really exciting to know that I was a part of two of the first few acapella groups there. And now, you know, not even just FSU, but like oh my Florida gosh. as a whole has become quite an acapella powerhouse. I just feel like every time I turn around, there's another big collegiate group coming yeah. out of. And I really think that a lot of that has to do with the festivals that are in the south, like the Sojam Festival for Casa. I mean. We didn't know about it when I was at FSU, but as soon as I graduated, of course, the next year, they're like, we got contacted about SoJam. And I was like, well, I'm not there. (laughs) (laughs) So instead, I just started working for them. (laughs) And how was that transition for you going from sort of not performing at the festivals, but performing in acapella to being more on, on the other side of the lens, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was a huge difference, I guess, even in commitment level. I know acapella in college for me was only five years long. So there was only so much you could do as a student and being involved in the community. But as soon as I was out of the education atmosphere, and I was a school teacher for six years, so I had summer vacations, I had lots 
of bank holidays. I did not have a disposable income, but I pretended like I did. And <laughs> I traveled to all the festivals. I went to every laugh. I went to every boss. I went to every SoJam. I went to, to the Vocal Nation when that was a thing. There was the acapella festival in Chicago. Akafest. I went to all of them. And I just I couldn't get enough of it. The people were so inviting. They were so loving. They were so supportive. That was my new family. I mean, you go from high school, you have your core group of friends, your college, my Aka group of friends. And then afterwards, I was like, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. And how did you get involved in photography and more broadly in videography? I'm sorry, but saying it wrong. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I have I had an uncle who gave me his camera. It was a Canon AE one, and I was just obsessed with learning how to use it. I ended up breaking it by going to the beach during hurricane season. So RIP <laughs> that camera. But uh, I was obsessed with photography. I was really into making music videos in my head. Uh, I would listen to songs and I would make music videos and try and storyboard them out and figure out ways that I could do it. But of course, I didn't have the technology or the education to create that, those kinds of outputs from my crazy, insane brain. And <laughs> I think it was around 2012, 2013, I started really getting into videography. And I was working with Sled Dog Company at the time that eventually turned into the vocal company. And they had really nice cameras. And I was like, oh, these are cannons. These are just like the ones I played with as a kid. So I started playing around and they could not get the camera out of my hand. Wow. <laughs> and then so so now we see you at festivals or when festivals were happening and hopefully yes. will be happening again. And you are, you know, because Akaville shows up with our recording equipment. So it's like we're constantly like running around and being like, okay. <laughs> but I know being behind the camera is a much different perspective. So what are some of the things that you've noticed going to festivals now that you're capturing oh, all of goodness. this? Like the first thing I started thinking about was the person before me and what got me kind of pulled me into being the person that captures the magic that we see in acapella. And uh, Michael Eldridge used to be the main photographer for a lot of the Casa events and some of other acapella events as well. And his interpretation and perception of how he saw things really inspired me to try and convey that message even further through video. And so I wanted to take that vulnerability and that power that acapella has and really kind of make it move and last longer than just an image. I mean, there's so much an image can tell you, but I just think there's so much more a video could tell you in a very specific way. <laughs> do you have certain do you have certain goals when you go to a festival or an event where that you're trying to capture? Do you have do you have goals for how like what your intent is and how to to I don't know convey that message that you're talking about? How, how do you do that? So it's taken a long time to actually cultivate that process for me. Uh, when I first started going out, it was just capture everything and figure it out later. And I was I, I have shaky hands. I anemic. I don't stand very strongly. <laughs> so I everything that I have, like 12 terabytes worth of footage, is just shaky bullshit. It's really disgusting and horrible. But I tried really hard to make that work. And I would find like two seconds of a five second clip that wasn't shaky enough that would stabilize well. And I would find little pieces here and there. And eventually I started realizing that these little chunks of time, even if they were only two seconds long, they helped tell a story just in that moment. And I think that succession of fast images and the fast cuts between what happens at a festival or what happens on a show or in a concert, that was what helped me shape how I react now in the field. Uh, I'm a little bit better now. I carry a tripod with me and a monopod at all times. So it's very more stable footage, but I am still just kind of running around and trying to capture all that magic as fast as I can. Do you have any specific memories of magic moments that stand out to you? Ooh. 
So there were two summers in uh, Rochester, New York, where I was working with Sled Dog Studios, where we were adults doing adult things and creating a lot of exciting things and stuff that would probably never, ever see the light of day. But it was a lot of fun to capture the creative process, even as many of those creative processes failed or some of them succeeded. Uh, So I think something that stands out, oh, God, I'm trying to pick one. (laughs) But I honestly think of like the first trip that I took up there and we were I was working with a band called the executive board and it was the first time I was using some of their camera equipment and we started writing music we started writing original music and capturing that creative process on video and in audio. And then seeing that come together at the end really kind of pushed me to keep pushing that forward. We recorded a lot of different types of music videos and almost none of them came out, but it was so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing how much unused footage I have just sitting on my computer. So much. If anyone wants eight terabytes of footage, please let me know. It's sitting in a box. (laughs) So for people that we're noticing, Rachel and I have talked about this a lot, that, you know, acapella still isn't a very visual thing, especially for the amateurs and the students out there. What do you wish that people knew about what you're seeing? If you could tell them, if you could give them advice on thinking about the visuals so that those moments, those magic moments are conveyed through a a video or a photo, what would you tell them? So I have this conversation a lot. Some of the opportunities at the festivals, while I'm also behind the camera capturing, I get a chance to teach every once in a while. And one of the things that we talk about is that translating that auditory magic of acapella into something visually creative and eye candy almost. Um, so I, what I do is I tell them to kind of flip their flip it on their senses. So if you have a song, we're just going to pick a Lady Gaga song. What's the new one? Rain on Me. So Lady Gaga's Rain on Me. What are some things that invigorate your senses when you hear that song? Is it something you see? Is it something you smell? Is it something you taste? Is it something you feel? And then running with one of those emotions, one of those senses, and really building an entire creative visual process from that. Like just thinking rain on me, wet. Maybe you do a music video underwater. Maybe you do it with all the lights off and you do those crazy like ribbons underwater with lots of fabric. I mean, you have to rent some gear and you've got to get some stuff together, but you can make it work. Yeah. So yeah. So in terms of live acapella, is there something that you've seen that was really impactful? So I can't, the first thing I think about is uh, like the Nor'easters and some of their live performance videos that they've put out. And the one that I really like is their version of Sorry, the Justin Bieber song. And they incorporated a live element to it, but then they also used footage from a rehearsal as well. So I think having an opportunity, I know that's more of a post-production process, is creating that mixture of live and non-live events in the same video. But I think expanding that live sense to include things that may not be live could be cool. But at the same time, that's not the answer to your question. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a good answer. (laughs) A live video that's been impactful to me. I guess like the thing that really stands out is when there's an opportunity for the camera to get as close as possible to the lead singer or as close as possible to the beatboxer or someone who's creating a moment with their voice or their instrument, I guess would be the more appropriate. Yeah, getting a close up shot of someone doing something incredible and capturing that just moment and then having a moment to also pan out and see the wider picture at the same time. So the the levels of focus and depth, I think are really important for live videos. And I think that be, can be achieved very easily with a nice camcorder or two nice camcorders and good video equipment or video editing equipment where you could zoom in and keyframe things. 
Cool. You brought up being really close, you know, close up. And I know that that's something that people are terrified of. Anytime I put a camera in someone's face, I'm like, no, 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 closer, (laughs) closer. Do you have advice for people on how to adjust to, you know, singing to a lens? Singing to a lens is for me, and I know a lot of people that I've worked with, something that's really like much scarier than singing to an audience. Yeah, I guess getting comfortable with being close into the camera. I would say that as a performer, as the talent on the other side of the camera, take a moment to see what it looks like from the camera side, from the person on the other side of the cameras, from the the director or the producer, because the camera lens can be deceiving. (laughs) It can look like you're really close, but really it's not filling as much of the frame as you think. There's a, the camera itself is the technology (laughs) to capture a very wide angle of things. So you may feel like it's right up your nose and they can see every pore, but I promise you that's not what we're (laughs) trying to do. That's not the message we're trying to go for. (laughs) Plus you're beautiful. (laughs) That's right. I would, I, I guess my my next question is like the opposite of that in that, you know, close is not something we're really allowed to be right now. So I wonder <laughs> um, if you have a- advice for people who are trying to um, produce, you know, the box videos or other sorts of videos of um, music that they're recording in this time where, you know, going to festivals is not something we really can do and ha- being in a place where where we can hire people to come video us is not really on the table right now. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an ever-changing and constantly evolving future ahead of us. There is, I, I don't know what the future was going to hold for a lot of the choir and education and social education that we see out there and acapella as well. Uh, it's it's going to be very different. And if I think about how we can still connect while being separate, I think about conferences like this, I think about Zoom meetings and having an opera, like, I don't even know if it's possible, like to have a proper rehearsal over conference call. I think it's absolutely impossible. So those things are are taken out of the element of acapella, that rehearsal aspect, unless you create, thinking about just technology, I have a, a jam hub and a jam hub, it's kind of like a, a silent rehearsal room. And you can have people in different rooms of the house with extenders and head, co- head cords and long cables. And you can have an element of rehearsal in a small space, but also be separate. But at the same time, that's a lot of effort. And I don't want to put anyone in a situation that would make them uncomfortable because... Health is priority one. Absolutely. In terms of if if, uh, people wanted to, you know, sort of record themselves separately, put that together and then put out a video, do you have recommendations for sort of ideas that people outside of your standard box videos, some more creative ways that people might be able to present their message? Yeah, I think there's a lot of really fun ways that you can still create the message in a either virtual environment or a separated environment using those picture in picture videos or those box videos um, where you have the boxes moving around and doing things. It's um, I know five o'clock shadow. I just finished a video for them and I'm really excited for when they release it because it's just, it it gets stuck in your head. And I had a lot of fun with creating the, the movement of the graphics and having them in their own little bubble. And when they recorded it, I gave them no direction. I just said, sing. And they, pointed left, they pointed right, they looked up, they looked down, and we made it work in post, which was a lot of fun. And they like brought their kids involved in it. It was it was really cute. Um, so when that comes out, that's a good one. One thing that I like about some of the virtual videos that I've been seeing is sometimes they are not doing the straightforward looking at the camera thing. Sometimes they're just they're doing it from the side, or they're doing it from a weird angle. And that it takes a little bit more time and practice and storyboarding to 
really plan that out. But I think it's a fun way to kind of twist it. And then there's even like the lo-fi way of doing it where you just have the acapella app on your phone and you send it to your group members and you say, hey, I've recorded this part, record what you think would go on top of it, and then just kind of build from there. And so there's a there's a lo-fi version or a low budget way of doing that as well, where you don't have to put a lot of effort and time into creating the storyboard and everything like that. Because video takes a lot of time planning it all out from start <laughs> to finish. And like most of the time, the song's not even recorded. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So many people are like, can you help me with a box video? And, you know, let's just do it for free. And I was like, oh, you have 18 children? Like, no, 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 do you no, understand? No. Like, <laughs> they're not as easy as they look. And for they anyone out there that hasn't caught on yet, they are not live Zoom calls when you see they these are videos. <laughs> <laughs> I did a project for Jack Bloom, who was a part of the Sons of Pitches in the UK. And they, uh, he, he was working for another organization. I'm not really sure. It was this global private school and they did a big virtual choir with all of their private schools around the world. And he's like, do you think you can help me? I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, this is the first time I did like a really big project like this. He sent me 82 countries worth of virtual like, <laughs> choirs. I can just see your computer like imploding. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a gape. Like, I, I, yeah. And then the conversation of, okay, what is this going to cost me? I was like, well, if you want me to, if you want me to really math it out for you, it's going to be like 15 grand. <laughs> like also, if I, I do- need like about a hundred times the RAM that I currently have on my computer. It's, it's going to, it's going to add up if we go like how many hours am I actually spending on each group, editing that, color correcting, syncing it up, figuring out in the boxes, where is it going? I mean, you can't blame- put 82 call, you know, universities and schools on the same screen. We tried. We tried. I, I can send you the link for that video. It's That song's kind of weird, actually. <laughs> I blame Eric Whitaker. He's the one that started all this. It's I possible. <laughs> well, we'll put that link in our uh, in the notes for the, for the show for those of you who may want to check it out. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry if the song gets stuck in your head. It's nothing like the Five O'Clock Shadow song, I promise. <laughs> so aside from all of this, you've also, you still, we can catch you on stage or we have been able to catch you on stage. Can you talk a little bit about some of the projects you've done since college? Because I I think they're Thanks. pretty cool. I, I have done a couple of projects. The main priority of mine when I got out of college was how can I figure out a way to keep performing? How can I keep getting that stage high and that connection with people on stage. So I started with the executive board working with them and they were a group out of Long Island and I'm good friends with most of the members now. Some of them have left and some of them haven't heard from in a while. So that group was a lot of fun. We put we had the goal of creating an EP of all originals and we did and it was awesome. It was a, a goal that we set and it was a goal that we met and one day we'll do another one. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, But part of that, after working with that, I was still living in Florida at the time while they were in Long Island. So I would spend summers up visiting them or working and we do retreats. But I wanted something that I could have in Florida. So I started working with some of my Florida friends and saying who would be interested and nothing ever really got off the ground. We had a couple of rehearsals here and there. But then I had an opportunity to move to North Carolina. And I was like, okay, there is a community up here. There are lots of people who want to do this. So I started an all-female group and it was uh, jaded. And it was with a few women in Raleigh and Durham in Charlotte. Yeah, it was mostly in North Carolina. There was one girl from Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. And we had a couple of different iterations of that group. 
few different people came and went. And eventually it sort of petered out because we just were adults and we're moving on with our lives and had other things come up and we just <laughs> didn't have the time to retreat anymore. But we all still talk. We catch up. We have a group chat. We send each other things like, this would be really cool if we could cover it. It's very easy. I promise. <laughs> come sing with me. Here's the arrangement. Learn it. <laughs> so like very slyly trying to keep doing things together, though right now we are separated but together. <laughs> <laughs> and then also um, uh, the one girl, Nadia Shakovsky, who I worked with in Jaded, she works with or performs with a group in Charlotte, uh, the Queen City Groove Group. And every once in a while, they'll call me down to do performances with them, which is a lot of fun. I still get to do that. So yeah, there was the executive board, there was Jaded, and then I auditioned for the sing-off and I got on that. And that was really cool. And I worked with Element, which um, was a group that was semi-formed by producers, semi-formed by people who knew people. So it was a, a collaborative effort. And I was called in as the supporting beatboxer for the group. And it was it was an absolutely insane ride. I remember when the sing-off first came out, I told myself, I'm going to get on that show. I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to get on that show. Because so I was obsessed with it. I was like, how how is it that acapella is on my TV? This is ridiculous right i remember like mm-hmm. live tweeting the show and being really snarky about it and realizing that these are actually my friends i probably shouldn't be so bitchy <laughs> but i was so into it it was just it was yeah so i told myself i was gonna get on the show and i auditioned and i got in and it was really fun so what was that like i mean i know some of the groups were compiled by producers and but you know there were also a lot of groups that have been together for a really long time with the added pressure of being on television and you know in pretty much a live setting yeah uh, what was that like for a group that was kind of put together for the show it was stressful yeah (laughs) it was a lot of alcohol (laughs) but it was it was stressful um i knew joanna vinson the base of the group her and i had known each other beforehand but none of the other girls i had met before and the first time that we performed together as a group really at all was the first episode of the sing-off Wow! and it was uh, i mean we had a couple rehearsals but like for a group of people that was the first time that we had ever done that so it was it was definitely hard because I was used to cultivating that connection and that bond with your group members over months and retreats and all different kinds of failed arrangements, but there was no time for that. You just had to go out there and you had to you had to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> but the girls all themselves are incredible human beings. I've kept up with them. I have stayed not super close, but we are social media friends. I support their work online. A lot of them, um, I know Emily Coolia has worked with the Postmodern Jukebox group, Emily Borromeo. There were like Four Emilys, I think, and like four or five Caitlins. <laughs> there was it was a lot of women. <laughs> One of them was the host for the uh, kids' TV show. I think it was called Sprout. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's really so cool. they've they've gone out there. One of them is she just became a mother, Caitlin. Yep, that's her name, and she works for National Geographic as a producer, which is just it, incredible to me. I just I want her life. <laughs> so yeah awesome. though we weren't friends at the beginning we definitely became friends though it was a, a stressful and bumpy ride <laughs> i bet <laughs> so also thinking about eboard you all used a lot of technology and i was actually just reading an article the other day and i'll probably parse that out for akaville at some point but letting the electronics work for you or forcing the electronics to work for you i know that you know things have evolved even more since you guys started using it but what kind of advice would you have for people that do want to get into that electronic piece? Oh, I love it. 
I love it. Definitely explore that because it definitely expands what you can do individually as a person. And I think that that can really drive you in creative directions that you could apply to large groups of people. So if you figure out, say, if you get just a a standard looper and you start playing around with it and you realize like these two chords sound really interesting together. Instead of me looping it, maybe I can have two of my friends sing it while I'm also doing this. So there's, there's ways that you can do that. And then if you explore effect pedals and um, I know I have a, I'm looking at my wall right now, but I have a TC Helicon full range of pedals up there that I haven't used in well months because I took them out and played with them a couple months ago, but <laughs> before that years, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different effects to play with it. It kind of, for someone like me who's not really well-versed in audio production and knowing what it means when something is too wet or too dry or too modified or too delayed or reverb or things like that, those pedals help me understand a little bit more about what that means. And so I can apply that either in an arrangement style or if I wanted to apply that in a performance setting where we have a plate echo off each other. Yeah, I think using technology helps really expand those creative pathways. It's really, we usually like to ask what's next. And right now that's a hard thing to say, but once we have a choice of, you know, projects to pursue and things to do, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm looking forward to doing big group projects. I'm looking forward to like having an opportunity where we can interact in each other in a kind of restricted, secure environment where we still feel comfortable creating, but it's safe for everyone. Like I think about my dream is to have a barn studio. I tell that to my husband all the time and he just laughs at me. He's like, no, I want a barn studio. I want a big ass barn and I want to turn it into a video studio. I want the trellises. (laughs) I want the big white wall. I want the big green wall. And I want to have an opportunity to bring groups into that space, maybe three or four at a time and creating something in there where we can still have capture that acapella magic. And, um, do something like that. So I, I am working with a couple of high school groups that are trying to book me for big projects in the future. And it's all very much just like, we'll see what happens, but we have your information because we don't know what hap- is going to happen with the virus and how it's going to affect opening schools and education further on and how it's going to affect performance and singing. I mean, they say that it travels faster that way. And that's, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> Well, even with the uncertainty that is ahead, we're really so excited to have some opportunity to talk to you and hear about what's going on and what our future might hold. So thank you so much to Rachel C. And if you you. are looking for a videographer for a future project, how can they get a hold of you, Rachel? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I don't have any professional sites. I did have a website called rachelismyfriend.com. I actually used to make screen printing shirts that said that too for a while. I still have the screen printer in the closet. It's hoarding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the domain has, uh, has lapsed. So I need to I need to figure that out. That's part of my quarantine projects is figuring out how to rebuild my own website. But eventually, you can contact me on there. At the moment, you can find me on Facebook under Rachel Shellhub. That's C-H-A-L-H-O-U-B. That's in boy, not V. Because I know sometimes it comes off as V when you say it over the phone. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter under Rogue Potato. Same thing with Instagram, Rogue Potato. And I have email out there. I'm very easy to contact. And if we don't know each other... Let's let's get to it. Well, Rachel, let's be friends. <laughs> Rachel, from one Rachel to another and an Amanda where there are other Amandas. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys for bringing me on. This was a lot of fun for us too.
Another big thank you to Rachel C. for joining us this week. We hope all of you out there are staying safe, staying strong, and staying healthy, and we hope to be back with you in person very soon. Next week, we'll be back with Brianne Woodward for episode 45, and we'll close out this episode with one of the original songs that Rachel sang with the executive board. We'll see you next Tuesday. They're breaking through Through all my defenses, it wears me down. Wears me down and assaults my senses. They drift me along, say they mean us no harm. It's a virus and a needle vaccine. In The vice on my head gets tighter I'm at my wit's end Put down my glass and reach for the lighter It draws out the gate, the barricade stops to break